It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Wolverines, your daily podcast on the Michigan Wolverines, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Happy Thursday. You know what that means. Locked on Wolverines podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, where it is your team every day. I am your man on the ground, Isaiah Hole, publisher of Wolverines Wire through USA Today Sports Media Group. Since it is Thursday, it means the Michigan mailbag does return. So we're going to get right into it, starting with our leaders and best, James Crudup at James Crudup 6. Sam Webb mentioned a pretty frosty relationship between Caden and JJ. Did you hear anything about that during the season? Is there a right way to handle that situation if you're Cade, knowing JJ is the five-star, more talented player? Um, I hadn't really heard much about, uh, granted, I wasn't really digging into uh, into that. I, as far as I know, that was kind of one-sided, right? Like, I don't think JJ has any animosity towards anyone, but of course, Cade... Thought he, you know, he when he came out and said it, I thought I did enough, right? He, he was very uh, adamant that the job was his, which is to be expected for any major competitor. Um, but as far as uh, anything from the JJ side, I had no, I haven't heard anything about uh, about that, but um, not about those two two particular. But it's not surprising given what we kind of had heard from Cade coming out of that circumstance. Um, uh, if I'm Cade, um, I would have let it push me to get better. I guess the Tom Brady of it all college football's clearly changed. Right. Uh, I've long said, and this is, I've said it on this podcast. Uh, I've said it to family and friends. If JJ was put, uh, deeper on the depth chart, he wouldn't have taken it as well. I'm not getting my opportunity. It's time for me to go. He would have said like, all right, game on. It's, it's my challenge to overcome. I think that college football could use a little bit more of that. Uh, obviously, the transfer portal is, and NIL together have changed things quite a bit. But, uh, I mean, it is disappointing that, you know, especially as someone who's defended Kate a lot, uh, the way he left, not surprised that he left, and I'm fine with the fact that he left. Uh, I have more of an issue of the kind of throwing stones on your way out as he did. Right, because there was no need for that, you know, and um, I think it's pretty evident that there was some animosity from him towards JJ, and uh, I think that 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 came through in his um, media availabilities. I mean, he wouldn't even say JJ's name, uh, whereas you know, if you ask JJ about Cade, he's like, "Oh, I could never have done anything without Cade," and you know, it's it's disappointing that that's kind of how that went. Uh, Josh Barr Jadicki, do you think the semifinals, uh, the line for the semifinals are accurate? He's got three questions. So, um, I, I, I think that they're probably about right on. I'm no Michigan's an eight point favorite at the moment. Um, I, I wouldn't want to make them a bigger one because I mean, TCU is a one loss, you know, very good team, uh, that has found ways to win. Uh, I, I think it's like a six and a half point at, at this point of uh, Georgia over Ohio State. I think it's hard to make Ohio State much more of an underdog against any team, but Georgia's Georgia, right? One thing I didn't really realize is Georgia's passing offense is really good this year. When I was going through uh, looking up TCU stuff for some of the articles I wrote earlier today, 
Georgia is like a top 20 passing offense. When we talk about Georgia being so good at the run, they can pass the ball. So I think that's going to be really difficult for Ohio State to defend. Uh, but I, I think it's hard to also make Ohio State much more of an underdog. Biggest potential factor for the Michigan TCU game that no one is discussing yet. Um, I would say just the, the general Michigan offense versus the TCU defense. The TCU defense doesn't really get after the quarterback. Um, as far as stopping the run, I can't remember offhand what it was. Uh, and I don't know that I have this up readily uh, available, but we'll figure it out real quick. I think they're like, yeah, they're 64th in stopping the run. They allow 149.46 yards. I, I actually, I, I think it's, it's what's interesting is kind of like what we saw from, from Michigan against Purdue and Ohio State, right? Is that TCU's defense hasn't been great yet. They found ways to win games. Uh, and and they're offensively, they've been that good. So I'm curious to see if Michigan's offense, like this is probably a game where Michigan's offense really can't afford to stall out. However, I from what I've seen from the TCU defense, they probably won't. How And again, however, how much has their defense taken a beating from facing a bunch of high-powered offenses all year? There's, I think, five uh, Big 12 teams in the top 50 in total offense. Uh, you know, they had to go out and beat teams like Texas Tech that have a really good offense and then uh, some others. So uh, it'll be interesting. But I think the other biggest thing and I just wrote about this is just the experience factor. Michigan's been there. They're not just happy to be there this year. They were last year and they admit that. Uh, but uh, this year, it's this they they want more. And as much as TCU, I'm sure, will say the same thing, right? They will. It's it's one thing to say it. It's another thing to live it. And I think that having the distractions, the spotlight, all of those things that come with it. I mean, TCU's biggest spotlight was the Big 12 championship game, and they didn't fare well. It's it's a different deal playing in the college football playoff, being one of the four teams that gets all kinds of attention, right? So, curious to see how that plays out. Third question, what odds do you give Ohio State of beating Georgia percentage-wise? I'd say, like, Let's give them 25%. I think that if they were to play four games, Ohio State would find a way to win one. But it will require perfection and making plays that are just... It's kind of like what what C.J. Stroud was able to do last year where you're like, there's no better way to defend that. It's going to need like about seven of those types of plays and the defense is going to have to really find a way to fix themselves because they did not fare well against Michigan and Georgia, in my eyes, is a better version of Michigan. The, Georgia is the is the one team like people say Ohio State's the one team Georgia doesn't want to face. Georgia's the one team Ohio State doesn't want to face because they play a similar style to Michigan and they are loaded with five stars, right? It's not. It, it's one thing when it's like well, plucky Michigan in a way. I mean, it's a talented team, but uh, Georgia isn't exactly just plucky. It is talented. So uh, I'll give them a twenty five percent chance. That might be too high, but maybe we'll maybe it'll be proved wrong. My brother in metal, Michael Wolf at M Wolf Twenty One. Do you think Corn will come back next year? Is Michigan still holding things back on offense? I do believe Michigan is still holding things back on offense, based off of some conversations I've had. As far as Corm, I think that's anyone's guess. Um, NIL would obviously have to play a huge deal, but he is valued at over a million. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me either way if Corum decided to come back. I know it's it's becomes a foregone conclusion. Hey, that guy's amazing after year three. Only a few short years ago, we we're talking about guys like Jordan Lewis and. Uh, 
and uh, Jake Butt coming back, even though those were two guys that could have certainly gone to the NFL draft. It used to be a thing with regularity that guys that had the capability of going to the NFL draft could come back. And it really wouldn't surprise me if Corum did because he just seems like that type of player that is more about the team and more about wanting to uh, be a part of accomplishing team goals. I could see him being like, I didn't really get to, to take part in a lot of those things. I want to take part of, in them this time around, especially knowing how much talent Michigan has. You know, this is this is a Michigan team that very well could whatever it does this year could do even better next year. Um, Jimmy Whitner at Jimmy Whitner one. If Michigan wins and plays in LA, I would like restaurant recommendations from you. Um, I'll give you a couple right now. My favorite restaurant, maybe in the entire world is Osteria Moza, the Nancy Silverton restaurant off of, uh, Melrose and Highland. Um, very expensive though. Um, be prepared to spend several hundred dollars if you go there, especially if you drink, uh, which I did drink then. So I, I definitely spent a couple hundred dollars even on a dinner for two. Um, I mean, I haven't been to LA since 2016. I haven't lived there in 10 years. 2012 is when I moved. Uh, so I'm sure there's a lot. I liked a lot of the food trucks, which I don't know if they're around. Grill them all. I know has a, was a food truck and now they have a permanent location. If you can find grill them all to, to get a burger, there's at least a really good burger town. That's something that people don't know. Burgers are incredible in LA. It's like the best burger town anywhere. Uh, baby's BA burgers. I'm just going to say it that way. Just so there's no sensor issues, issues on YouTube. Um, they, they were another food truck that was phenomenal. Um, Loteria was a really good Mexican joint. Although there was another one. I can't remember what it was called. Um, there were some hole in the walls that were really good. And I have to think on it get back to me that week. And I'll try to think on it more. Um, what position is still your biggest need in recruiting or the portal? Uh, I was going to say linebacker, but then Michigan went and got Ernest Hausman from Nebraska today in the transfer portal. Um, so I, I would say that, um, I mean, now it's going to be quarterback with Alan Bowman going. I think that they just need another able-bodied, maybe experienced guy. I, I saw a colleague of mine say, watch out for Jack Tuttle. I mean, that's not going to move the needle, but you still need a guy that's it got some experience. You could still put him number three, but you want to make sure you've got people who can do the thing, you know, if necessary. Um, and obviously they're looking at corners between the Fentrell from uh, from Virginia and Tony Grimes and the other one from North Carolina. Names always escape me because I have a terrible memory. Um, so apologies there. At least I got some parts going there. Um, that, those would be the positions I would say. And I mean, heck, if you can get a defensive edge, a defensive end or a tackle, I mean, I don't think you'd absolutely need one, but they're always a good thing to get. Uh, KRT at farmer K84, what does Michigan have to do to limit Max Duggan's impact on the game? Uh, keep contain. So don't let him run on you, especially if it's like a third and long situation and just get to the quarterback. If you can get to him better than other teams have, you've you're especially just Michigan's defensive line is a different deal, right? So I, that could that could play a big part. Looking at uh, remember they don't really play defense in the Big Twelve, so I'm looking at sacks here. Um, the the best Big Twelve team at getting to the quarterback. 
and I'm sitting here having to scroll. This is, which is not a good sign for them, right? I'm still scrolling. Texas Tech, 41st with 29 sacks, averaging 2.42 sacks a game. Outside of that, Texas, 56th. Oklahoma, 67th. So, hitting him in a legal way, of course, can, can pay big dividends. I think that that is crucial. Make him feel uncomfortable. Get him off of his spot. Even if you're not hitting him, get him off of his spot and then contain him. Make sure he doesn't take off. Finishing us out in segment one, Jonathan Joseph at J. Joseph 2156. Which freshman do you see taking the biggest jump from this year to next? Colston Loveland. I, I could have gone Mason Graham, Will Johnson. Colston Loveland is just now really starting to figure out what he can do. I don't think that that's the same for the other two. I think that they will take big jumps because they, but I think that they know what they can do. Loveland only in the last two games is really starting to pick things up. I think anything that we thought Eric all could be, he could do. We'll just got to see if he can get the, add some weight, get the blocking going. That's the one missing piece. And if he can do that, it's, it's over. You know what I mean? All right, let's continue on. But before we do, BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And remember, bowl season starts literally tomorrow. Uh, If you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. I'm really taken aback by the fact that Jim at Jim in the North asked one question. One, I actually went back and searched again to make sure I wasn't, that I wasn't missing some, but he just asked one question instead of our leading us off in the Victor's Valiant with like two, three, four. Um, all right. What's our shot versus TCU? It's simple. Play the same brand of Michigan football you have played all year. Control the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Limit big plays. The, more so limit getting into the end zone and have the solid second half adjustments. That, to me, it's it's that simple. Play the same brand of football you have played all year because it's not like, well, they did it in, against a couple teams and they didn't do it against others. They did it against almost every other team, Ohio State and Penn State included. If you are able to do that, that's that's the shot. Um, Mark Z at Mark Zimke. So why do you love Tulane so much? Just kidding. Now, see, now people are going to be upset thinking I'm supporting Disney over Michigan because I'm wearing my Disney 50th uh, sweatshirt here. And 
All right, let's see here. What's the what? Uh, what are three of your most memorable moments from the season so far? Um, for me, I'll combine the basically the entire offensive performance against Ohio State between Donovan Edwards. I mean, that I think to me, Donovan Edwards more than Cornelius Johnson because those were like. The first one was like Michigan might win this, then actually win this thing. And the second one was Michigan is actually going to win this thing. But even the Cornelius Johnson touchdowns, it was like, oh, this is going to happen in this game. Okay. Um, I'll add the Donovan Edwards, Blake Corum runs against Penn State. I think that, that those were, um, that's number two for me. And number three would be, uh, it's weird to say this, but the defensive performance in the second half against Rutgers, the three interceptions, Michael Barrett with two of them. To me, like that piling on when it just kind of had the game had a feeling of like, this is messed up. We could Rutgers take it to Michigan again, make it a game against Michigan again. And then Michigan's just like, ah, oh, no, we just kidding. So those would be my three. Spencer Whitmore at Spencer Whitmore. Do you have a good Mike Leach story? I'm sorry, I do not. Um, I have never had any interactions with him. The only person I know that's with that program is Matt Dudek, the first, the former uh, Michigan recruiting coordinator. And we've talked very sparingly since uh, we've talked, but sparingly since he's gone over there. And I haven't really talked to him about Leach or anything, but it is so sad. And um, I'd been certainly following along. I, I didn't want to comment on it just in general because to me it's kind of um, – Oh, I just didn't want to, but it certainly was something I had followed along, did a lot of little searches to try to figure out how he was doing when things were kind of vague. Um, so it's really, really sad. Uh, U of M clips and bolts at U of M clips bolts. What is your favorite Michigan bowl game memory? And this one, at first I was like, Oh, how do I pick one? Even though most Michigan bowl game memories are not good. This one ended up being relatively easy. Because while I do remember watching the Rose Bowl as a child, watching good ones and bad ones, I didn't watch the national championship one in 97 because that was all, you know, music for life. Um, And uh, so I missed that. But uh, for me, it ends up being easy. And that's uh, the 2007 Citrus Bowl against uh, Urban Meyer in Florida. Because, A, I was watching it with... It was my Michigan family, my Florida uncle. My uncle's a big Florida fan. I set up my laptop with uh, all the Michigan marching band songs, and I had my little remote, and I would play, uh, you know, if if Florida had a third down, I'd play Temptation. When Michigan scored, I played the Victors. I had it all set up, and no one expected it to go the way it went. You know, it was like suddenly the offense was taken off uh, after things that uh, didn't look good for the bulk of the 2007 season, sending Lloyd Carr out uh, and that was the way he, they did and that was my uh, senior year so uh, at Michigan so it, that to me was the most memorable um see where are we at OPS can you please say Cole what happened uh how do you lose to Grant thank you well I just said it there you go I don't know what that means uh <laughs> Adam Casel at Adam underscore Casel what did you know about both sides of the ball going into the Ohio State game that you couldn't share previously? Did it happen in the game? What was the subterfuge you knew about during OSU week? See, part of me wants to tell you all, but I, it's also been ruined by the uh, the people who 
make graphics, put it on Instagram and tag a bunch of Michigan people. That doesn't, that's not good for any of us. Um, I, I believe it happened. I don't know for sure. That's how much of the subterfuge was. Let's just, let's just be vague about it. And I'll say this. They, they were messing with what Ohio state thought they knew about, about the way that Michigan was running things. And they were, they were basically setting Ohio state to, to kind of feel like, Oh, they're doing this and then just kind of changed it all last the uh, the day of the game, the week of the game, rather I'm not going to get into more detail about that till maybe the off season, but that's uh let's just say Ohio state certainly thought they had a, a couple beats on Michigan most likely. And they didn't. Um, all right. Let's see where we at. Perry Mitchell at Perry Mitchell. 08. Can you draw any comparisons between Colston Loveland and your friend, Jake, Butt? Is a fan of the team, but not really an X's and O's type of person. He seems to me to be of the same ilk. Uh, definitely in the pass catching, I think he's a little bit more dynamic of a receiver, but maybe not as good of a blocker, at least at this stage, as Jake. Jake at least had, a, I think, a little bit more of a penchant early to be a blocker and kind of grew more into a receiver, whereas Colston Loveland was a pure wide receiver coming out of high school. I'd have to ask Jake. I think that that would be, you know, we'll we'll try to have Jake on sometime before the uh, before the playoff and... Uh, break it down. I'll, I'll have to text him and ask him what he thinks and give you a better answer, maybe on a Friday's podcast. Uh, Anton Sismita Mangala at Sismita Mangala. Regarding NIL, I'll keep hearing how Michigan is behind compared to other schools. How bad is it really? Uh, also, I worry too much NIL for recruits would turn into what's happening at uh, Texas A&M. The culture is so good right now. would hate to see something like money ruin it. Um, I, I got, I know you asked that before I did yesterday's podcast, but basically the long and short of it is, I don't know. No one really seems to have a secure answer as to what is going good. What's doing going bad and all of that kind of stuff. As far as Michigan's concerned, you don't have to worry about it in terms of at least at Michigan, they're not going to, uh, do the types of things that Texas A&M has done, which what might not get you Walter Nolan type players. But what it's going to do is at least have everyone pulling in the same direction and being on the same page. And culturally, things can continue to move in a positive direction. In a way, you would rather have a team of three stars that are all pulling in the same direction than a team of uh, very self-centered five stars, right? Talent, yes, it wins out, but you need to have everyone pulling in the same direction. That's the whole point of a team. Zan at Zanland. Olu, Good, and Oki were all transfers to Michigan before the season. No one from their positions transferred out because of them. Uh, if Michigan adds transfers at tight end, defensive back, running back, and linebacker to go along with uh, Ladarius Henderson, uh, do you anticipate transfers out because of them? If so, whom? No, because I don't think that – I don't think – I think anyone that's going to transfer is going to transfer. I don't think anyone's going to transfer – like Olu's been with the team, right? Greg Crippen could have been like, oh, okay, I see what's happening. See ya. And it, that didn't happen, right? Uh, I think that maybe would be the only type of thing where it's like with Olu in particular, right? Like if Michigan's like, we just brought in another center that's going to start right now. I could see Greg Crippen being like, all right, I, I see what you're doing here. See ya. Peace. Um, I mean, he's already going to be in a battle with Raheem Anderson, um, but, uh, otherwise, no, I don't think that's going to be an issue. They, they definitely need I, running back could be another one. And I know there's rumors about CJ Stokes out there on the message boards. 
Uh, running back, I guess, could be another one, especially if Blake Corum comes back and then they added a, another running back, but that would be it. Uh, generic at ERKJ72. Thoughts on why after last year's and this season's success, the 2023 class feeling so lean on top recruits? I mean, it's simple. It's NIL. That's It's really that simple. Um, I, I would imagine, though, if Michigan... This is why it's pivotal Michigan not only gets the championship game, but... Uh, puts up a fight slash wins it because suddenly you have a bargaining chip that's greater than money that you wouldn't have otherwise. Be like, look at what we just did. Look, you know, and then and then on top of it, you can be like, also look what Blake Horham just made. That would be a, a way to also get in the minds and hearts of younger players who might not pay as big a dividends. Obviously, wouldn't pay dividends in twenty twenty three too much, except for maybe those late additions. Um, would certainly could be you could make a case for 2024 2025 and then you start suddenly or would have kids in like 27 and 28 who are like i you know i watched michigan win that championship and man i was a big fan that could change things um final one of the segment enchanted pants at enchanted pants if you could add any former michigan assistant and position or position coach to the current staff who would it be and why assume that you could move existing staff to different jobs? That's difficult because I, I'm pretty content with where they're at with everything, right? Like there's no, like the offensive line. I mean, I would maybe add Jed fish. <laughs> that would be it. Otherwise I can't think of anyone that, that is, is like, yeah, because every, everyone's doing such a good job right now. It's in getting the most out of uh, out of everything. So I, I, I hate to defer, but I'm going to have to because there's nothing to me that's like, yeah, that's an obvious upgrade. Everyone's performing at a pretty high level at every position. And let's see. Messed this up here. All right. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you know what? You live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. Uh, what are the odds that you get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone? Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tra tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So, if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe, plan ahead, get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Tell you what, this is going a lot better than I thought it was going to go earlier in the day. I threw my back out. You can't see it because I'm sitting up here. But uh, earlier today, I was like wincing at everything. But uh, thank the Lord, I'm feeling a heck of a lot better. Um, all right. 
Michigan primetime at U of M primetime. First Michigan game you ever attended and the result. I don't remember the exact score, but it was 2006. It was my junior year. For some reason, I had yet to go to any games. I'd watched plenty on TV. Um, and um, and I really am kicking myself over not going to any my original freshman year. Cause that's when Tom Brady was still the quarterback, 1998 season. Um, or 99 season, rather. <laughs> How'd I forget? A 1999 season. Um, but then, then the rest of my college career was the entirety of the Chad Henney, Mike Hart era. And uh, I didn't go until my junior year, and I bought a ticket off of eBay. Because I guess I just didn't know how to go about things, and I never really looked at the mail that said, like, hey, buy your season tickets, or how the cost. So I bought one off of eBay, traded it with a scalper for a student ticket. Me and my friend Ted went, and um, we uh, watched Michigan beat down a one-loss Wisconsin team in 2006. Uh, I ended up going to the Michigan State game and the Ball State games that year. And then I got season tickets the next year, but I skipped uh, App State and Oregon as well as one other one because uh, I was out of town. So that's uh, that's that. Got my first taste of the sidelines, though. Minnesota game. Uh, I worked for ESPN Classic on the sidelines. So that was fun. Uh, James Kovalevsky. Kovalevsky. At Coach underscore Kovo, growing up in Texas, I've always been a huge fan of Coach Leach, and I'm especially saddened by his passing. I've really enjoyed reading all the legendary Coach Leach stories that people have shared lately. I'm sure it's a long shot, but did you cross paths with Coach in your media career? I know I just answered that, but um, again, yeah, it's sad that uh, sad thing that happened, and I'm sad that I didn't because uh, he just seemed like a, a very amazing character uh, and person. PJ at Go Blue 300. Isaiah, before the Ohio State game, you talked a lot about a Michigan game plan inside information. I know these are some repeats, but, you know, I just I sort based off of people here. Um, regular question asker. So uh, basically, shout out to PJ Go Blue 300 for asking the same question. But um, we'll, we'll get more into it in the uh, in the offseason, hopefully when uh, people don't take the it's not that that it, things aren't true. I just don't want that. There's a reason why I don't post inside information on Wolverine's Wire anymore. I don't like the attention that it gets from inside the program, uh, not being behind a paywall, and uh, used to be able to treat the podcast the same way. But then people started making graphics and tagging coaches and stuff like that, and it's just like we can't, we can't do the inside information too much on the podcast anymore. As a result, or I mean, I could, but I just don't want the added attention from it. The Fab Vibe at the Paul Short. Biggest concern on offense and defense heading into the Fiesta Bowl. Um, I don't know that I have any on offense. I guess the only one on defense I would have is, is can they continue to be as good as they have been in the second half and as well as keeping uh, vaunted offenses out of the end zone? Because it's like it, at some point it feels like you're playing with fire, you know? But I guess the great teams do what they do. Obviously, Mike Morris is, you know, I, I, I will get asked about him here momentarily, but uh, the fact that his health is a somewhat unknown is part of it. Otherwise, I don't know that I have any, like, big concerns. I, just, I think this is a very good matchup for Michigan for the most part. So, um, Adam... At Pastor H2O, is if Blake is healthy and recovered, does he start over the Don, who's playing great and has had three weeks of practice as the guy? He's not going to be healthy or recovered by the time these games come, so no. Um, I mean, if he was and had time, 
Yes, I think he would, but I don't, that would be unlikely. Low expectations at King Green 2316. Is there any chance of one of those big game letdowns we've experienced a few times in the Harbs era, or am I just worrying myself over nothing? Well, your name suits the uh, the question. Um, no, because really Michigan has beaten most teams that it's supposed to. Even in the big games, in the in I mean, outside of a handful, it, once once you kind of realize what each team was, like 2017 Michigan State, you're like, well, Michigan's going to win this game, and then you find out ultimately Michigan's not any good, and Michigan State was. So it's not really that surprising in the end. You know what I mean? Um, I think the only ones that really are super disappointing are Florida State in 2016, uh, Iowa in 2016. Ohio State in 2016. And outside of that, I think you take out the COVID year, everything's kind of what you would anticipate. You know what I mean? So, no, I think think you are worrying yourself up over nothing because Michigan's more talented, more complete, and has better line play, and that's going to usually play the big difference. As good as you can be with your skill positions, we've seen better line play wins games. Nick Aaron at Nick Aaron 27. Ohio State players have been announcing they're done for the year going to the draft. Quorum has been silent. Any chance he's back for the playoff? And uh, obviously, I just answered that no. I highly, highly doubt it would be something of a miracle. Jake, the tight end lover at Jake from TE World, how does TCU's coaching strengths compare to Michigan's coaching strengths? I haven't really dug that deep into it. I mean, Sonny Dykes is clearly a very good coach, um, doing his best that he's ever really done there. I don't know their assistance and all that kind of stuff, so I can't answer it. Recruiting hype for real or all smoke? Uh, I'm not sure what hype you're talking about right now. I'm sure they'll add guys. I mean, they're in the playoff. You know, they they did the same thing last year. I'm sure there will be at least one person that people are like, oh, didn't see that coming. Just like when they beat Ohio State, you know, suddenly, oh, a couple guys committed that no one really saw coming. Justin Revord at Justin Revord. How many guys from the current starting uh, five offensive line could return next year? All but... Uh, Ryan Hayes. Well, I think Ryan Hayes technically could return, but I don't expect it. Oh, sorry. All but and Olu. Olu can't. Olu's done. I don't expect Ryan Hayes to return. Olu can't. His eligibility is up, I believe. Everyone else could. Mario Mendoza at Mario PM twenty one. In the previous pod, you described the climb for Michigan getting to the Natty and losing to Georgia will be disappointing, but still great that they got there, and that's part of the climb. But what if the loss is to Ohio State? How do you think that'll affect the climb? I mean, that would severely impair it. Because you are basing a lot of the year's success off of beating Ohio State. So if they go back into the college football playoff and end up being in the national championship game and lose to Ohio State, while you can sit there and say we were in the national championship, you lost to your rival, one that you beat down in Columbus, yeah, that's not going to be good. But... You know, that would just put the onus on really making it happen this next year after that. Justin Zamora at Husty 56. Is this the first time two captains quit on us and transferred out? I'm not sure, but I would imagine. In Donovan, we trust at Blue Life 8. Uh, I think, yeah, 8. I don't. I know you don't cover recruiting much, but is it concerning that Javen, Jaden Davis hasn't committed yet? It is a little concerning because he's had certainly had ample opportunity, but he's being wooed. I wouldn't get too freaked out yet but yeah you you need him to to pull that trigger for a while he is a 2024 guy so 
he's got more than plenty of time, but you need him, especially since you don't got a 2023 quarterback. Um, MGO Blue at Miles Brett, do you think the move to Iowa helps or hurts Caden Eric's draft stock? With Eric All, I think he'll be just fine. He's going to a a, a very tight end friendly offense. With Cade McNamara, I mean, he needed to be able to play, so I think it helps. Um, but Iowa's system, I don't think is like he's talking about not being a game manager. I, I don't know that he's going to get that at Iowa. That's really the case, man. Pick it basically any other team. Basically any other team. JTG1975 at JTG1975-3. What is the biggest difference between the Harbaugh offense of 2015 through 17 and this Harbaugh offense we're seeing now? Big John from Wisconsin. Uh, mostly, I think, just the trench play. And obviously, it was really good on the defensive line in those first couple of years, but the offensive line and the run game. It's The offensive line was better than people give it credit for in those first three years. The run game was good. Now it's elite, both offensive line play as well as run game. And that's that's the crux. It's it's elite on, on the level of the old school Michigan teams. So that's what you needed. David G. Van Reenen at X Nilo seven. I know this is wild and I'm really getting ahead here, but I'm starting to see that Michigan may be coming a dynasty. Are you seeing that as well? And what are your thoughts? Appreciate you. Thank you. And uh, I mean, you got to. They could become a dynasty. They got to win one. You win, you win this year, get back to the playoff again, and you're, you're in three out of, or, you know, three years in a row with a national championship under your belt. Then, yes, right now, way too early, man, way too early. But it is an exciting prospect because the team looks like it could be just as good, maybe even better next year. Eric at E. Wolverines 29, which freshman wide receiver has been getting the most hype? Um, I don't know because they haven't really, they've always lumped every time I've asked anyone personally or we've asked in press conferences, they lump all three together. Tyler Morris has been the one that's kind of seemed to get more uh, opportunity, although Darius Clemens, I think, has the best opportunity overall. And finishing us out, Matthew Van Epps at Matt Van Epps. What's the status of Mike Morris? Uh, we don't know yet. Right. Um, and we just had our first media availability, uh, for bowl season today did not get mentioned. We didn't talk to any interior guys. I'm sure we'll, we'll hopefully get some kind of update. I, I fully expect him to play personally, personally. I do. That's not with any inside info. It's just kind of what I anticipate having kind of just been around him. All right, that's going to do it for us today. So thank you for watching and or listening. We will have a later episode again probably tomorrow. Uh, I mean, this isn't as late as I, I said this could be a midnight release. It's 546 right now, so it's not quite as bad as expected. But we will be later tomorrow since we have a later press conference. We're going to take everything, all the big takeaways from the press conferences from yesterday or today and tomorrow rather, and we're going to put them all together. So that's going to do it. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks for watching and or listening. Peace. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.